So I was thinking about what to give up for Lent. And of course it has to be something that will involve huge amounts of self-control. There is no applause in heaven when someone gives up eating liver. So I was thinking about this and I thought, well, you know, donuts, because I, I really love donuts. Uh, apple fritters are my favourite because I can kid myself that all I've had is a piece of fruit. <laughs> so, so it gets to Tuesday and in this, this holy zeal, I've decided I'm giving up donuts. And then I thought, well, actually, uh, I wonder if that was God saying that or just me. Uh, you know, because God is a God of love and doesn't want us to beat up on ourselves and wear hair shirts and whip ourselves. Uh, so uh, maybe he actually wants me to continue to eat donuts. And uh, instead of giving them up, like every time I eat a donut, put five dollars in a jar and then at the end of Lent, uh, take all the money out of the jar and give it to people who can't afford donuts. So I, I, I made a deal with God. On Tuesday, I said, OK, God, so, so tomorrow is Ash Wednesday, and when I'm going to work, uh, as I pass the baker's shop, if there is a parking, if there is not a parking space outside the baker's shop, I will take it from you that that means I should give up donuts for Lent. But if there is a parking space outside the baker's shop, I will take it from you that I'm able to go in and taste and see that the Lord is good. So it's Wednesday morning and I'm on my way to work and I turn the corner and there's the baker's shop in the distance and it gets closer and cl closer and yes, wonderfully, amazingly, miraculously, there is a big, beautiful parking space right outside on only my fifth time round the block. <laughs> uh, some of you know where I live and realise that if I'm going to pass a baker's on the way to work, that's a really big detour. Welcome to Lent 2019. Are you ready to rumble? Because that is our call. Every first Sunday of Lent, we read about Jesus' temptations in the wilderness. Jesus strides into the desert to do battle with himself and his adversary. This is a 40-day bout for the championship of the world. The fight is staged in the desert, but it also takes place in the mind of Jesus. It's tough out there, and it's tough in here, because here is where most of the battles between good and evil take place, where compassion wrestles selfishness and truth boxes falsehood. A person who can control what goes on between their ears will inherit the earth and everything in it. It's noisy in there. Many voices, many claims, some loud, some subtle, some so quiet you can hardly hear them. Which ones should I listen to? Which are my friends and which my enemy? 
Behind every false, uh, every temptation is a false belief. Often, it's a false belief about God. Like, God doesn't really care about you. So if you're going to get the things you need, you must cut corners, bend rules, take matters into your own hands. But sometimes the false belief that powers the temptation is about yourself. What are you? A consumer? A worker? Something else? Where do you find your identity on what is built your security? Who do you think you are? That last one is one of the most important questions we will ever answer. It is the question posed every day of your life and it was that deep vital question behind the three temptations Jesus faced in his 40 years of desert combat. That first one, if you are the son of God, says the devil to a man who hasn't eaten for weeks, turn these stones into bread. Who do you think you are, Jesus? It looks like you're a great miracle worker, a magician, a performer of tricks to prove that you're the Messiah, available for parties and charity events. Pull the rabbit out of a hat, saw the lady in half, maybe escape from a straitjacket inside a safe at the bottom of a swimming pool. Go on, miracle man, turn the stones into bread. That's what a hungry magician would do. Who do you think you are, Jesus? Who do you think you are, Jane, Ned, Tess? The false belief behind the first temptation is this. I am what I do. Jesus is tempted to think of himself as just a miracle worker. You are what you do. How quickly I swallow that lie. I preach, I pastor the flock, I seek out the lost. That's what I do, so that's what I am. But when I embrace that lie, I hug a snake to my chest. Because that lie brings with it a friend. Workaholism. If I am what I do, uh, then if I'm not successful at it, it means I'm an inadequate human being. So I will work all the hours God sends, because if I don't, that would make me unworthy of love and respect. My activity becomes the source of my self-worth. So when I have a productive day, I feel good about myself and think God loves me. And when I have an unfruitful day, I think God must be displeased. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Many, many people in the developed world hear this lie and very many of us believe it. Of course, work is a wonderful gift. We were made with the need and the desire to do something productive with our day. Giving all you have and leaving it in the office when you go home. This is a glorious thing and I know all of you feel it regularly. But let's not allow that to tip over into a belief that this is what I'm all about. 
that our worth in God's eyes depends on what we do. Here is the choice we have. Stress, poor health, unsustainable work-life balance, neglected priorities, broken relationships, chaotic or addicted lives, or relaxing in the truth that you are God's child, uniquely special and dearly loved. Don't try to earn God's love by working hard. Just accept it. If the first temptation was to believe that Jesus was what he did, his second is equally powerful. You are what you consume. Bow down and worship me, says his adversary, and in exchange I will give you all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. Hey Jesus, who do you think you are? You know you're a consumer, right? You know it's all about how many pieces you have when the game goes back in the box. And you can have it all. And just think of the good you can do if you had all the power and the wealth in the world. You would eradicate hunger, end war, do away with humanity's deadliest diseases. Who do you think you are, Jesus? Who do you think you are? Jack, Brittany, Van. If there is any message that we 21st century Western people can't escape, this is it. Through 10,000 media outlets every day, you are what you consume. Purchase the item and you'll be attractive or successful or happy or you'll command respect from the neighbourhood. The record-breaking success of a door-to-door salesman lay in his opening line. Good morning, sir or madam. May I show you something your neighbour said you couldn't afford? (laughs) Here's what Jesus knew and what we know too if we are honest with ourselves. We are not the sum of our possessions. What we truly are, who we truly are, is what is left when everything else is stripped away. We are the free, dignified, beloved children of God who will not be mastered by our stuff. So Jesus' final temptation. If you are the Son of God... Throw yourself off the top of the temple because angels will catch you. Who do you think you are, Jesus? You are what people think you are. Come on, do something breathtaking in the big city. Go viral. Jump off the temple and onto the front pages. Instant recognition, thousands of Twitter followers, millions of Facebook friends. This is obviously the Messiah, they'll say. Hey Jesus, get this right and you may not even have to go to the cross. 
Who do you think you are, Jesus? Who do you think you are, Lee and Mo and Min? Did you hear that sound? Uh, you probably couldn't pick it up on the microphone, but that was my heart sinking. Because of these three false beliefs, you are what you do, you are what you consume, you are what people think you are, this is the one that stalks me, hunts me down, and kills me daily. It knows where I live and it speaks my language. It has a bullet with my name on it. Actually, I have to confess, I envy people who don't care what others think of them. You know those people. Maybe you are those people. They don't try to cover up their vices or put on a show of how virtuous they are. Uh, they really seem not to care if they are liked or disliked. Being considered a jerk is fine. I once complained to a friend that I was being misunderstood and misjudged by someone and he told me, it's none of your business what people think of you. I know he was right, but I wish I could believe it. The lie that I am what people think I am forces me to silence my truth when I should speak it, bury my conscience when I should act on it, withhold my opinion for fear that someone in the room will think poorly of me, bury God's gift, God's word, God's liberating truth, all because I must please people. Who do you think you are? Jesus didn't turn stones into bread because he knew he was loved by God. Why perform magic tricks to prove it? He didn't bow down to his adversary to get power and wealth because he knew he was loved by God and that was enough. He didn't jump off the temple to win everybody's praise. He knew he was loved by God. So what if some people don't like him? Hear God's word to you. You are not what you do. You are God's beloved. You are not what you consume. You are the apple of God's eye, the pride of his heart, the joy of his life. You are not what people think you are. You are what God thinks you are. The dignified, unique pinnacle of his creation. You are loved with an immeasurable and never-ending love. Let's live in the joy of that truth. Amen.